Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant Wednesday morning to each and every one of you. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 to 12. That's Eastern Time. Many of you already join us by the hundreds, if not thousands, on YouTube, the Chatterbox Sports page. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, by all means, please just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Gentlemen, good morning. Casey, Paul, Jacob, Elliot, how are we doing today? Doing great, Tom. You know why? The National League finally won an All-Star game. Finally. Finally. Casey, were you dialed in last night? I was not. I was not (laughs) dialed in. Not one bit. I thought this was your time to be a... Casey, a baseball guy, and you're not watching the Midsummer Classic this your first season as a baseball guy? Yeah. I mean, I watched a bit of the Home Run Derby. I don't know. I'm just not a fan of, like, Pro Bowls or the All-Star games in, okay. in the NBA. That just doesn't – I like to watch games that matter. Yep. Which is kind of counterintuitive to how I feel about the – Soccer leagues. And Boy, you took that. the words right out of my mouth, Casey. I was reading your mind as those rolled off your tongue. I don't know. It's just different. At least you're a competitor. But you'll be a... dialed into the Lamar Hunt Open whenever that starts again in 2028. Yeah, of course. At least you get a little uh, trophy, a little participation award for winning the whole thing. Nice little so. pat on the fanny. Yeah. Gents, how we doing? Uh, Elliot. We lost. Uh-oh. We Elliot. lost. I mean, you were 0-7 in the home run derby. You make a bet with my son yesterday. Right? When is the water dumping taking place? I think we're going to do that Friday. I think we're just going to get a good start to the weekend by getting water dumped all over me. That'll be fun. But, yeah, I I do it to myself. I just want to have some fun. I thought – honestly, I thought there was a chance, but no. I I don't know if you watched the first first inning. It was just – defensive plays were everywhere in the first inning. So it was just like – up no against chance. the wall and all yeah. that kind of thing. Yep, yep. But, but Zach Gallon did not allow a run. It's correct. Your son was correct. He's a better rare, gambler than I. Rare, rare, And, Jacob, <laughs> you were tuned in, right? I was. I was. I had the National League. It felt good to make history last night, Tom. Nice. I, yeah. Winners, Jacob. We won. We are. We, we are, are winners. winners. Did you have a bet on that too, Elliot? No, I did not. <laughs> I kept it to one bet. One bet. You know, I got to tell you, <laughs> I was looking last night. I jumped on your Twitter account. Oh, no. And much to my surprise and, quite honestly, dismay, <laughs> I caught the Dreamweaver video yeah, you like that of one? you in the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty creative. <laughs> Thank you. Dreamweaver, baby. I don't know if that problem Do you know the name of the singer of that song? Oh, there's no chance. No, there's no chance I know. Do you know? I do know. Who is it? It's Gary Wright. Gary Wright. W-R-I-G-H-T. Gary I have Wright. no idea. He had, a, he, had a, he had a few big hits back in the day. Uh, all right, now look. Take a seat on your couch. It's time to reveal your innermost thoughts. We're getting Freudian, all this kind of thing today. Last night, you were thinking, please don't let this happen. Please don't let the Reds' lone all-star, closer Alexis Diaz, be the guy who blows this game for the National League. It would have been 11 losses in a row. Diaz has been too good this year. The Reds' story is too good this year. 
It's got a chance to get some national pub, and he's about to lay an egg. Lord, please, you were saying, don't let it happen. Be honest. Well, Diaz did come into a tie game, gave up a run. That was in the sixth inning of a 1-1 game. But then another guy named Diaz, a guy who was making his first All-Star game appearance as a 32-year-old, Elias Diaz of Colorado. Clubs a two-run home run in the eighth inning, propelling the National League, as we mentioned, to its first All-Star game in a decade. 3-2 the final. Diaz becomes the first Rockies player to ever win the All-Star game MVP. Then there was a crowd chanting, practically begging Shohei Otani to come to Seattle when he becomes a free agent at the end of the year. And why not? Ichiro had a pretty good run up there in Seattle, didn't he? A couple of players were injured the last couple of days, right? How about your guy from the White Sox? Which guy? Which guy? You were t- weren't you talking the other day about the White Sox center fielder? Were you not talking oh, about I that? Had, I had that Luis Robert. Your that guy. I had guy. Luis Robert. I'm <laughs> sorry. I knew it was one of you. No. Yes, my guy. Yes. My guy. <laughs> Luis Robert hurt his calf during that home run derby. It required an MRI, and just like the rest of us, he is listed as day-to-day. Toronto closer Jordan Romano felt tightness in his back, had to leave the game in the eighth. He threw only five pitches in his appearance. Rob Manford had meetings with Players Union head Tony Clark the last couple of days, and most of the conversation centered on the pitch clock and how it would or should be used in the postseason. The Players Union wants it either lengthened or done away with entirely. Manfred says, bad idea. Stay tuned. The Reds begin their drive towards a division title beginning on Friday night. That'll be a great American ballpark against a team directly behind them in the NL Central, the Milwaukee Brewers. Did you see the comments made by Brewers ace Corbin Burns yesterday? He was asked about teams in the Central, who's still in it, who's not, who's going to trade, who's going to acquire. Reflected on the Josh Hader deal last year when his team was in first and they end up a game out of the playoffs. When asked about the Reds specifically, he said they need a lot more than just one starting pitcher. How about that? I love it when guys lay it on the line like that. May come back to haunt him. In uh, football news, more drama in the Pat Fitzgerald firing by Northwestern. Fitzgerald is owed nearly $40 million on his contract, and the school apparently is trying not to pay him a nickel due to just cause language for his firing. Fitzgerald has not filed a lawsuit yet, but you can book it. One is on the way. The Bengals will induct the 2023 Ring of Honor class during halftime of that primetime Monday night game this year Against the L.A. Rams, September the 25th, the top two vote-getters will be announced <clears throat> by the team next week. All right, big-time show today. We have a couple of Cincinnati legends in the house today. It's been a while since we've heard from the Hall of Famer Marty Brenneman. And coming up later on, Dennis Jansen, who was the guy, sports guy, on Cincinnati television in this town for almost 50 years He will be joining us to talk about his career, some of the personalities he was around during his career, and what he's up to these days. 
But a pleasure to bring back the Hall of Famer Marty Brenneman after trips all over the globe. All over the globe. Where was your favorite spot, Dad, of all of those you went because you hit a number of different European countries? Well, I, uh, that's a good question because we liked a lot of the places that we went, starting in Prague and ending in Budapest. I would say, um, I would say Budapest is probably the top spot because if there's a more beautiful city in the world, than Budapest, then I, I would love to see it because it's a spectacular city. Uh, Vienna is a world-class city. I mean, that can rank with the best of them. Uh, and then the smaller towns, the thing about Europe is, Tom, and I'm sure you know because you've been, uh, the buildings predate anything built in this country. Uh, and, and they've been maintained well, and, and it's just amazing. And especially doing it on a river cruise, which we did down the Danube River, when you're on top of this flat river boat and you're seeing both sides of the river and, and the old uh, houses and, and castles and, and such as that. And we were, we were in Hungary, Czechoslovakia, Slovakia, Austria, and Germany. Mm-hmm. In, in the time in which we were gone. It was a great trip. I would highly recommend it to anybody. While you were there, were you conferred in any form or fashion? Rumors are out there. I'm just asking you to confirm or deny. Were you involved in any of the negotiations with the Ukraine joining NATO, Sweden joining NATO, Turkey approving of Sweden joining NATO? Any thoughts on any of the above? That would be no, but I will tell you this. That we had a tour one day. Um, I'm trying to remember probably in in, uh, in Budapest or Prague, one of the two major cities uh, among the three that we traveled in. And I, and we, I asked a very dialed-in uh, lady who was conducting the tour. I said, are you people... Does it ever cross your mind that the same thing could happen here uh, that's happened in the Ukraine? And she said, not at all, because she said, we are uh, a part of the European Union and that NATO is is building uh, bases all over our country, just as a very subtle warning to the Russians that if they ever have any thought of trying to do with us, what they've done in the Ukraine, that it's not going to work. Obviously, being a part of the European Union to those countries are of major importance because of the protection that that union offers them in conjunction with NATO. And so uh, it's nice to hear people in these great countries that have become a democracy and uh, that, that they don't really fear that anything like that could happen in their country, that which has occurred, unfortunately, in the Ukraine. All right, so we've covered the geopolitics now with Marty yes, Brennan. And uh, the last time you were on the program, Paul Fritzner reminds us, was June the 8th. The Reds at the time were five games out of first, and they were five games under five hundred. Even though you right. were traveling all over the world, I know you were keeping tabs on what was happening with the Red Legs and what was happening back here in Cincinnati. Um, yes. What do you think? I mean, are you buying all the hype yet or no? 
No, I am. I'm. 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 I'm a. Con- I've been converted. I, I. And I. I want to know. Let all those people know on Twitter that it beat my brains out over what I said at the beginning of the season. Um, and I'll take the beating because I firmly believed it. But I want to remind those people that I was one of thousands of people who felt the same way. Um, and and, and they, this, this exciting bunch of young players uh, with a big contribution from Joey Votto and the time that he's been back, uh, they, they made a believer out of me. I still maintain, and I don't disagree with what Corbin Burns said, and I saw those statements attributed to him uh, about their pitching or the lack thereof, um, I, that's the biggest single concern. I don't think you can be concerned about any other aspect about this team. It is proven beyond any question that they can hit for power. They've done that. Uh, that they can score runs. Uh, they have the attitude, and I think it's 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 really appealing that this is such a bunch of young, talented players whose talented ha- talents have all come together seemingly at the same time. They're too young to know what pressure is. They are too young to be fearful about what may be ahead of them between now and the end of the season. And I think they are a very close-knit bunch of young players uh, that get along famously well. And, and, and so I think they've got a lot of things going for them, but that elephant in the room, and it's a big one, is the pitching or the lack thereof. Um, a couple of topics here, and that is uh, Ellie De La Cruz. You know, we heard all right. about him the last couple of years, ranked as a number one prospect among all prospects from all organizations in Major League Baseball. He has set the city and the baseball world on fire. Um, but, you know, when you talk about buying the hype, uh, I got to tell you, uh, and I heard Jose Rijo uh, on the radio yesterday. He was asked to compare Eric Davis to Ellie De La Cruz. And he said, I'm not getting anywhere near that. He said, because I saw what Eric Davis did over the long haul, what he did when he was able to get that out there on the field, the numbers he put up, uh, the things he was able to do offensively, defensively, power, stealing bases, blah, 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 what kind of teammate he was. And, and I got to tell you, that I mean, I have been shocked. And no one's been more excited watching De La Cruz than I have. But I got I to tell you, I mean, this stuff, I mean, I'm hearing people talking about making his bust for the Hall of Fame already. I mean, we're I talking know. about 30 games into a guy's career. He's been incredible during the 30 games, but shouldn't everybody just maybe tap the brakes a little bit? I'm not talking about being negative here. I'm just saying slow down. Yeah, without any question. I, and I think, you know what? I'm willing to cut those people some slack because it has been so long that they have had any reason to get excited about this baseball team. Yeah. And now they they probably uh, they become overly zealous in in their uh, in their approach to player a player like Ellie Dela Cruz. And I so I cut them slack in that department. I understand uh, where they're coming from, and I know how excited they are, and they should be. Um, but I would agree with you. Just back off, take a big, deep breath, and let this kid's abilities and maturity continue to evolve into what could be one of the most dynamic players that we've seen come along in Major League Baseball in many a year. 
you mentioned Eric Davis, and it was really funny. I was playing with some guys yesterday playing golf, and, and the, the same question came up to me. When's the last time you can remember a player in a red uniform? And I very, very, very quickly said Eric Davis. Uh, when he was healthy and he was on top of his game, all the things that we see Ellie Dela Cruz do right now, we saw Eric Davis do. Everything. Eric had no weakness. It, the only problem with him was that, it, unfortunately, he could not stay healthy. And, and, and I think that, more than anything, uh, affected, adversely affected the kind of final numbers that he probably would have put up in, in a major league career. I look back to 86 and especially 87. Yep. And, and I, I see the same things from, uh, I, I remember the same things from him that we are now seeing from yep. Dela Cruz. Um, okay. Uh, look, you know, like I said, last time you were here, the team's five games back, they're five games under 500. Now they're 10 over, nine over. Uh, they're sitting in first place here at the uh, all-star break. Um, I, I get back to the question again, Dad. Uh, I feel like they got to make a move here. They've got to make a move. Uh, I said months ago, and this isn't a knock on the Reds, I'd say the same thing about any team in any professional sport. I don't believe anybody for a second what they tell me about players being injured. I don't believe it. I mean, Hunter Green, you know, he was going to miss a start. That ends up being a week. He comes back, he pitches two really good games, and now he's hurt again, all right? And he's still in Arizona. You've got Lodolo. Right. They told us it was a calf. Then it's a shin. Then he's going around on a scooter. He's out in Arizona. I mean, look, neither one of these guys is going to be back before the trade deadline. At least it doesn't look that way because you got to get them out and pitch and, and pile up some innings. Don't they have to make a move here? Well, I think the pressure is, is, is huge on Dick Crawl. And I think anybody who knows uh, uh, has read what I've written and, and, and have, have stated publicly for the last three years when the naysayers wanted to bury Nick Crawl and throw him out the back door, that I thought he was going to be an outstanding general manager. And if he needed any vindication um, doing what he's done to help this club be in the position that it's in right now, He's done it, and he's done a hell of a job of doing yep. it. Now, having said that, um, I, I hearken back to the interview that was conducted with Christian Yelich uh, during this past weekend uh, before the All-Star break mm -hmm. when the Reds were in Milwaukee, uh, talking about being in this position and, 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 and how you may conduct yourself. And he talked about what turned out to be the terrible trade that the Brewers made last year at the All-Star break, I mean, at the trade deadline when they traded Josh Hader to the San Diego Padres. And what a disaster that trade turned out to be because they ended up, <coughs> excuse me, one game away from the postseason. Uh, and, and, and so, and he also made the point, when you get to the point that this team is in right now, you got to do whatever you got to do in order to enhance their chances of getting to the postseason, because you may never be back again. It's very easy to say, you know what? We're so good that this next year we're going to be even better. There are all sorts of things that can enter into the equation that will keep that from happening. And it'll keep it from happening next year and the year after and the year after. 
basically what Yellen said is when you are in a position that they are in, you got to go all out to do everything in your power to get you to the postseason. Because once you get there, you know, all you got to do is have three weeks of playing damn good baseball and you may win the world championship. You know, it's it funny doesn't you bring really it up. mean once you get there, it doesn't mean anymore. Well, we're not as good a team as this other team. That's out the window. Everybody starts from scratch and you get on a roll in the postseason and all of a sudden you find yourself in the World Series and maybe win a world championship. You know, so it's funny I'm bringing... saying that there. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. I'm saying there's a lot of pressure on Nick right now uh, to, to make that decision. And I think what compounds a problem is that there's really not a whole lot of pitching out there. Uh, you know, they, they talk about the White Sox, and I, I would welcome either one of those guys, uh, Giolito or Lance Lynn, either one of them. Uh, I'm told that the Reds made overtures for both of them, and the, and the asking price was insurmountable, was ridiculous uh, as to what the, the asking price was. Um, that's, a, that's something you have to deal with. And I'm sure that there are going to be fans that if the trade deadline comes and goes and they don't do anything, uh, they're going to have to listen to a lot of heat. Uh, conversely, if you, you, well, you're rolling the dice, um, you know, you're going to trade for a pitcher more often than not that you're going to have for two months. Uh, and, and then after that comes, the guy's gone and you've given up a lot and you don't make it. Uh, so it, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. I would not want to be in Nick Carl's shoes right now. Well, you know, I, I, I think the best example to maybe put this into perspective, uh, I love what you were saying about you never know what next year might bring. And, and I think the greatest example you could ever give would be the teams you were watching in 75 and 76 when back-to-back -back World Series. Now, I mean, now we're talking real teams here now. I mean, this Reds yeah. team's a good team. We're talking about a real team. A team that was 75 and 25 after 100 games in 1976. I mean, this is insane stuff, right? Hall of Famers everywhere. Um, I mean, when you're sitting there in that booth and at the end of the 76 season, for anybody in their right mind would have told you that the very next year, 1977, again in 78, that the Reds weren't even going to make the playoffs. Forget right. win the World Series. I mean, somebody would have told you you're out of your mind. Well, I, that's what I that that you know that that uh, supports the statement made yeah. by Christian Yelich. I, I I can remember, you know, when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. I talked to Dan Horde and 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 uh, and Dave Lapham. I said, boys, let me tell you something. Enjoy every second of it. Photo, take a mind's eye photo of everything that is impressive to you. Because no matter how confident you may be, you'll be back there the next year. You may not be, and you may never get back there again. And we all know they, they gave it a hell of a run last year, but they didn't get there. Um, I just think that there's a lot of truth to that statement that you got to go all in and, and nobody can say, well, you know what? They didn't try. And the other part of it is um, you energize a ball club. Uh, I can think back to the years in which the Reds finished second, uh, you know, what was it, four or five years in a row when Pete was managing the yep. club, and there was one one year in particular, and I forget which year it was, 
when that team was looking to the front office to make a deal at the trade deadline uh, for a pitcher that would help get them over the hump, and it never happened, and how it deflated the entire clubhouse because they felt, you know, we're out there busting our butts to win and try and get this team to the postseason, and we're not getting any help from the front office. I think that's a psychological factor that has to be considered, too. Not to say that that would affect this team at all. I'm just saying all of these things enter into the equation and have to be considered. And it's going to be a very interesting thing. Now, you're talking, uh, what, two weeks before the trade deadline, pretty much right now. Mm. And I know people have said, well, a lot can be determined in the next two weeks, especially when, I guess, the Reds play six, when they begin play Friday night against Milwaukee, six of their next 13 games will be against the Brewers. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot can be determined. But the thing about it is, uh, if you wait till the absolute deadline, the longer you go, the higher the asking price is going to be. And if you're at at the 11th hour and you're trying to pull a deal off for a pitcher, I believe the asking price then will be more than it is right now. Well, that's why I admired it, and I said it a couple of weeks ago. That's why I really liked what the Rangers did. There was a lot of talk about Aroldis Chapman wanting to finish his career in Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, the Rangers are a first-place team. They're looking around. They weren't going to wait till the deadline. They went out and swung that deal to get Chapman right now, and now they got him in their bullpen. And I think everybody agrees that, you know, based on what Corbin Burns said, and I agree with him, I think the Reds are more. If they don't get Green and Lodolo back, full strength, full speed ahead, uh, you know, but, but before August the 15th, they certainly are more than just one pitcher away. I'm curious, you have said at times, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that the 99 team was one of your favorite teams all time uh, for the Reds. That's a team that went to the one-game playoff, got shut out by Al Leiter uh, and the New York Mets at uh, Riverfront Stadium. That team had a lot of the same sort of chemistry uh, that this team has. Is that, is that right. fair to say, do you think? Yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was a more veteran team yeah. than this team is. But the, the chemistry was, was outstanding. That was a team that Greg Vaughn had the incredible September uh, to put the team on his back. But that was a team that needed a pitcher, and, and they didn't get it. Uh, well, let me think back now because uh, what was the left-hander's name that they picked up? They, they did pick up uh, the guy that pitched with the Yankees later on. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, yeah. You you know, just as well as you know your own name. I, I, I cannot read. And I think that was in 99. I think that's when they picked him up. At, Denny at Nagel? The trade Not line. Denny Nagel, is it? No, 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 no. No, okay. No. Big All fat right. guy. Big fat guy. Or out of shape guy. Um, I, I can't think of his. Yeah, it, I'm either. not even sure it was that particular. Oh no no no, no 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 no! You're talking about David Wells. That was back in '95. David Wells. That was '95. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then I, yeah. I don't. I don't. Know. That was your guy, Jim. That was your guy, Jim Bowden. I mean, say whatever you want about Jim Bowden. I mean, in 1995, that was a hell of a team. I think that's one of the best Reds teams that never won a World Series. He went and got. Wells, he went and got Mark Portugal. He went and got Deion Sanders. Wheeling and dealing. Get your fucking Wagnalls dictionary out and look at, for the definition of clown and you'll see his picture. 
You got to admit, though, that's a hell of a couple of trades. No, I'm not knocking the trades there, no. But I also know that he also uh, drafted, chose to draft Chad Matola over a guy by the name of uh, Derek Jeter. Um, oh. and don't get me started on him. Okay, I will. Go ahead, please. But, but, but you're saying, though, that even though there were more veterans on that, that 95 team, right. Pete Harnish was a guy who had been around for a while, had a really, really good year. Um, and Sean Casey and some guys had been around. Mike Cameron uh, had come over from the White Sox. That was Sox. a good team. Yeah, th- that, that was a good team. Larkin was still yeah, around was on top team. of his game. And, and um, you know, that, that was a fun bunch to watch. I think this year's group, um, while, as you point out, is a much younger group, uh, there does seem to be um, – and I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg kind of thing. I don't know if that, that culture was created in spring training, uh, some carryover from some of the guys who were around last year, or whether or not uh, the winning has created that kind of culture and togetherness. Uh, you know, that's a good question because so many of these kids came from – these were not kids that came up through the red system together. You know, uh, in some cases they did, but more often than not, uh, they didn't. Uh, you, you know, the steer kid, he came over in a trade um, and, and a number of other players. So, but it seemed like they all came together uh, either in spring training or uh, or as the season uh, progressed. I, somebody was uh, commenting to me about, uh, you know, back in when they were – seven games under 500 or whatever it was early in the season. And um, they had a team only meeting. And, and after that, things seemed to turn around. And, and this was, this is a bunch of kids that you could go to the ballpark and watch them play uh, and, and know that they're having a wonderful time together. They genuinely love each other. And I, I've often said, and, and people may argue the, the point, but I think that among all the major sports, uh, chemistry is more important in baseball than it is in any other sport. Uh, football, you play once a week. Basketball, you play 84 games. We're talking at a professional level now. And, and in baseball, 162 plus 30 more in spring training, roughly. And I, I just think that chemistry takes a team a long way uh, that that not having it wouldn't take it. And I use the 1990 team. I always use that as the best example because that team had the greatest chemistry of any team I've ever been around. And and nobody picked them to want a blasted thing when the season got underway and they went into first place on opening night, never left it, and beat a good pirate team in, the, in six games and then swept the Oakland Athletics, managed by the man who invented baseball. So... Um, I, uh, I I think that team had great chemistry. I think this team has tremendous chemistry. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about is this um, this conversation, series of conversations, apparently, uh, between Rob Manfred and Tony Clark, Clark, the head of the players' union for Major League Baseball, and about this whole pitch clock thing. Um, you know, look, I, I, I rarely agree much with what Manfred has to say or what he has done. Uh, although I, I give him all the credit in the world for the rule changes that have been made to the sport this year because I think it's changed the sport. It's made it more exciting. It's kept the game moving along. I think everybody agrees universally it's been a good thing. Now, all of a sudden, the players' union is saying, you know what, we, we, we got to change this in a postseason. We either got to lengthen it or, dis, or just you know, get rid of it entirely. 
What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on it are uh, 100% in support of Rob Manfred's his early his early position now, and we all know how things can change. Is why should we change it in the postseason when we've had it the entire season? I agree 110% about that. If you're going to go with 15 and 20 with nobody on as opposed to people on base, then you keep it that way in the postseason. You do not change it. And I agree with him. Uh, your boy, Scott Boris, tries to get involved and, and, and run his damn mouth about everything that goes on in baseball. And now he wants to eliminate it completely. His comments were, I don't, I don't want to uh, lengthen the amount of time. I want to do away with it completely in the postseason. And I, 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 I'm supportive of Rob Manfred in keeping it the way it is. Uh, whether or not he will probably, whether or not he will have to back off and 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 cut a concession to the player union by extending the amount of time in between pitches. But I don't have a problem at all with the position that Manfred's taking, not one bit. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine the NFL? changing i mean rules when you get to the playoffs that you've played under all season long now an overtime rule it's a different deal entirely but the way the the, the play-by-play in this case a pitch by pitch and it suggests changing it for the playoffs to me just seems ridiculous uh it would it would turn into uh and, and my biggest quarrel was not only regular season games, and I felt like I've been saying it for 10, 15 years. You and I have had this conversation about how the game's gone like this because of the speed, the pace of the game. Um, If all of a sudden you turn in your biggest games of the year, the biggest games, the playoffs, LCS, World Series, and they turn into what we've watched for the last decade of games starting at 8.30 at night, a whole generation of young kids can't stay up late and watch it when you're playing because they have school the next day. Games are going three hours and 45 minutes or four hours. You have completely, in my opinion, deflated all of the good you've done during the regular season to bring back fans or attract fans. I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, You know, I I think to some extent, now we're getting off on another subject, but I think the, this game talks out of both sides of its mouth uh, when it talks about, you know, we need uh, to appeal to a younger audience because they are the lifeblood of our sport looking down the road and in the future. Yet when the postseason comes, there have been no more afternoon games played for years. Um, these kids that go to that are going to school can't stay up late at night. Uh, even though we have a speedier game now because of the new rules that have been implemented. And so you, you, you're saying in one breath, we need to attract more youngsters. But in the other breath, we're saying at the most important time of our season, year in and year out, they don't have access to it because they can't stay up that late. So I, I got a problem with that too, but that's another subject for another day. I agree with you if you compare the two sports and the fact that the NFL is consistent in what they do, and they're not going to change up things once the postseason begins. Uh, I, I think that this game would be making a mistake if, if Rob Manfred knuckles under to whatever pressure Tony Clark and the union bring to bear upon him to, uh, to, to either eliminate it completely or add more time to it, I think would be a long-term mistake. We have one question from a member of the chat. 
They're in there by the hundreds, if not the thousands. One very simple question before we let you know. Okay. Would you be willing to break bread over lunch or an early dinner? The trio of you, Scott Boris and Jim Bowden. Would you be on board for that dinner at the restaurant of your choice if we can make that happen? Yes. Really? I mean, I'd be I'd be narrow minded if I said no. Um, wow, I, that yeah, I is that. impressive. That is very impressive. No, I do that. I that I would not re- be reluctant whatsoever. Um, but you have to understand, I I approach both of those guys from a different angle. You know, I I just don't like Jim Boat. Uh, I probably would like Scott Boris if I got to know him. I I'm quite uh, sure you would like him. I, I probably would. I just don't care for his continued interference in the game uh, just because he is the number one guy in the history of his business. Uh, with all due respect to a couple of old friends and Tom Rich and Jerry Capstein, uh, Scott Boris is the best of the best. Um, yeah, I would do that. I would find it very enlightening, and, and but it would have to be a very frank dinner. I mean, it'd be no holes part, none, zero. And I would like to think that if that ever happened, when we got up from a three-hour dinner or whatever the case might be, uh, I'd have a better appreciation for both of those people and what they're doing. And they would have also, they'd have a better understanding of where I'm coming from. Boy, I got to tell you, I think being in Vienna has made you a, 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 a changed man because, you know, I mean, in Vienna, it's all about diplomacy and all those kinds of things. I mean, that, yeah, well, that's a big league let me, answer. Let me, add, let me add one more thing before I leave you today. Yes. And that is about the trip that we took. The one other, the only negative constant in that trip, the food stunk. Yeah. I mean, it does. the food I'm shocked that people don't die of starvation over there. Honest to God. We were in Vienna, and we had an incredible meal that defied the taste. It was so good at Five Guys Hamburger Joint. <laughs> and it was like I died and went to heaven. Well, I mean, they don't serve Laura's lean over there at uh, Five Guys, to my no, knowledge. No, they do not. But, uh, they, you know, they, I mean. They've never tasted that delicacy, ever. No. Well, I'm glad just, you made it I back. I know you people. lost some weight, though. You did lose weight on that trip. No, I, I lost weight uh, before the trip. Okay, okay. All right. I've All lost right. 15 pounds, and I feel better about myself. Well, I'd always blame it on the Europeans. They're the, they're the blame okay, for that's a lot fine. of the we, problems anyway. That's All true. Right. You're right. You're okay. right. You're All right. right. All right. Well, Dad, great having you back. We missed you around here. Everybody was asking about you. So uh, thanks for making the time to, to come back and join us today, and we'll look forward to having you next week. Well, I'm looking forward to it too, Tom, and tell Casey and Paul and the boys, this well, was almost like a family reunion. Well, you almost know, since like a family Dad, reunion. Dad, since you were here, Jacob Tissett, who uh, is the head video coordinator for Nick Saban in the University of Alabama, He's here on an Am internship. I supposed to be impressed by that? 
Yeah, I would be impressed by it. That's a big league coach. This isn't some minor league operator looking for some championship or, or playoff wins. Nick Saban. And then there's Elliot about Nick Saban. And then there's Elliot Rearing, who is an elder guy, another member of the liberal elite, which are everywhere in this studio. But uh, but Elliot uh, just posted the other day in celebration of Luke Weaver uh, being on the mound for the Reds. Himself in a hot tub with the song which you remember back in your day from Gary Wright, Dream Weaver. I believe yeah. you can get me through the night. So, Elliot Jacobs, say hello to the Hall of Famer. Hi, Marty. How are you? Mr. Brenneman, how you doing? How you doing, Elliot? I'm doing good. That's all you are got you to say? Up? Well, I don't know. This I mean, like, are you, you me kidding me? You put me on the spot, Tom. I just gave you that big intro about the hot tub, and that's all you got to say. Hi, Mr. Brenneman. How are you? Marty, Marty, how, what was your thoughts on uh, Europe not having any ice in the water? You know what? Let me tell you something, Elliot. Um, and you're right. But if you ask for it, and this is, this is another example of the Americanization of certain areas in Europe and, uh, and the, and the uh, uh, tremendous influx of tourist business from the United States throughout the course of a year. You can, if you ask for it, you'll get it right now. But in, 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 a, in, in most places, you have to ask for it. And, and you know, we, we are tuned into asking for ice with a soft drink or a cocktail or whatever the case might be. And so they would readily bring it to you, and they're not shocked that you asked for it. Well, uh, uh, Jacob, are you going to defend your guy? I, I Nick like, Saban, are I you going like to defend your guy? Marty, what's the hate for Nick Saban coming here? One legend should respect another. I just think he's an arrogant guy. I think he's, oh, he's he, he comes oh, across as seven national championships. On. You get the right to be arrogant. There's right? nobody he's better done. at halftime of games. You've got all these schleps who, who haven't done anything. And you're lucky to get one one line out of him of those halftime interviews. Saban's stepping right up there Every all time. the time. He's there all the time. time. He's a common man. He's a very arrogant guy. <laughs> and you can take it or leave it. And he'd be another guy that I'd probably have a different opinion of if I sat down with him. I mean, the only time I see him coming across well is when he was doing those blasted insurance uh, commercials with Deion Sanders, but he was getting paid a fortune to be a nice guy, not acting like a jerk when nobody's paying him and he gives people five seconds of interview oh time when God. he's leaving the field. I, I'm not I, a big fan. I am really not surprised. a big fan. I am really. All right, Dad, before we let you go, I want you to see the video that I refer to. This is our guy, Elliot, now. After. Had, had Weaver laid an egg again the other night, or what, what prompted this? I, so it was whenever, whenever Weaver comes out, the, the fan base goes nuts. They, they freak out because he gives up like seven runs in the first two innings. It happens every game. So when I'm right about this, because I always say we always win on Dream Weaver night. There ain't no in his last eight starts. I had a celebration after one of his victories. And here it is. <laughs> Back, back, back times, times. One more time. Oh my God. 
That's the best. Oh my that, God. Yeah, that's reason to bring Elliot on, Tom, with your band of outlaws in that studio because of something <laughs> creative like that. I saw that last night because Elliot made a bet on the air yesterday with your grandson, Luke Brenneman. Uh, Elliot said that Zach Gallen of the Diamondbacks would give up a run to the American League last night. Luke Brenneman said, mark it down. Gallen's not giving up anything. So Elliot now has to have a bucket of water dumped over his head on Friday. Is that right, Elliot? Yeah, that's right. That's right, Marty. It's I, you know I I put myself in these in these situations. I am a kind of a you know Tom called me a degenerate gambler. I think that's fair. I think it's a fair <laughs> assessment, unfortunately. I, but you know you win some, you lose some. You you win some, you lose some. Well, you know what you 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 stuck your neck out just like I did 12 years ago when I had my head shaved. You got to do what you got to do, and uh, That's right. God bless you. And I'm sure Luke will relish the fact that he can dump a bucket of water on your head. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Luke's coming in next week for his big interview like we had with L on the podcast a couple of years ago. So he's coming in Wednesday of this week, uh, next week, a week from today, for that big interview. And I know you'll be dialed into that. You'll see him uh, this weekend, and we'll see you this weekend. Big Reds Hall of Fame celebration. We got Danny Graves yep. coming on tomorrow. We got Bronson Arroyo coming on Friday. Uh, that was always one of my favorite weekends to ever be around this Reds franchise. It's unbelievable. Well, they do a nice job of it. Uh, and they've got two guys going in that are two of my favorite people uh, in the history of my affiliation with a ball club, especially Danny, who I have a, a, an incredible amount of affection for. He's one of my all-time favorite human beings. All right, Dad, enjoy the weekend. It'll be a great time. Thanks again for the time. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. See we you, love guys. You. We'll see you soon. All right. Love you, too. All right. Uh, All right how guys. about that? How about that? Elliot, Dream Weaver. Dream Weaver, baby. Does that, do you do that every time he starts a game? Well, so every – so but, but here's the thing. I do. I don't do a hot tub every time, but I do some kind of video because the fan base on Twitter, Tom, they're, they're just – they're animals. They are animals when he, when he comes out there because he's terrible. And I say that with love and respect, but he's, you know, he's thrown 69 and two-thirds innings. He's given up 52 earned runs. <laughs> he has a 70 RA. But, but, by the way, that's a two-and-two two record. He's given, he has a 70 RA. He's a 2-2 two, two record. Uh, but the fan base goes nuts, so I like to calm them down. I like to ease them into it, believe in the magic, and it's working. 8-0 in his last eight starts. Okay. They only win. But, yeah, I do do some kind of silly Somebody thing. said in the chat the Reds starting pitching in 1976 wasn't all that great. Before I hand it over to the Ham and Eggers, that's a Reds team that won 102 games. Now, Don Gullett got hurt about uh, eh, two-thirds of the way through the year. Here are the ERAs of that starting rotation. Gary Nolan, 3.4. Pat Zachary, 2.7. Freddie Norman, 3.09. Don Gullett. 3.00. The only starter with an ERA higher than 3.46 was Jack Billingham, who had an earn run average of 4.3. Pretty good staff. Outside of Andrew Abbott, which good. includes Lodolo, which includes Green, which includes Ashcraft, which includes any of them. Do any of them have an ERA lower than 4.5, not 3.5? The answer would be no. no. So, Ham and Eggers, take it away. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. 
These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. The, uh, what do we want to call it today? The Bengals report or the Bearcats report? Bearcats got some new uniforms. Yeah, they look real nice, Paul. Mmm. I don't like that sarcasm one bit. Mm. That's okay. Bearcats Be report. Bearcats report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. You can visit Encore.tech because that is where the path to innovation starts. Uh, the other thing that we like to talk about here on the show is Pawnee water. It is the best tasting water in the world, and it's made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. It uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. And uh, you can find it at PawneeWater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy it. Now, see, uh, AJ Worse in the chat points out, Paulie is such a Bearcat hater. I just asked Jacob the question. Jacob was the one that brought the phone over here this morning. I, can't I, I, I just threw the topic to you. I can confirm that that is true. Yeah. So the Xavier fan threw it to the Ohio State fan who works for Alabama. Well, he, no, no, no. I didn't throw it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I, yeah, I like my chance of having an unbiased discussion. Uh, totally uh, unbiased. unbiased discourse regarding the Totally Bearcats unbiased. Jerseys. I say that to you with love and respect. With love and respect. The are objectively bad. Oh, guys, I see. I didn't say that. This is a temporary measure. Everybody knows this when we came into this. This is a temporary measure. The Jordan deal comes in like next year or something. Everybody, everybody calm down. Yeah, it's not and important to look your best debuting in a Power 5 conference. <laughs> that, that doesn't matter at all. That's fine. That's all right. I'll just take it. I'll are just you, sit here and take it. Are you a big uniform guy? I, I enjoy a good uniform, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, I mean, like some people, it's like all they care about. It's like, yeah, you know, I, a uniform, what, what are they wearing? No, that's nonsense. I, but I do, okay. I do, I like... Some of my favorite uniforms, like it makes it makes the team. Yeah. Like it does, like it does help, right? Sure. Like the Bearcats, um, the Cats, just like the the red, the Cats. I think that's one of my favorite jerseys of all time. The script, yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. So I I, I think they're all like it, it certainly helps the product on the court or on the field. You're can't not have winning. A, can't have a bad one. You're not winning ball games in bad uniforms, Paul. It's well, true. I guess I guess that's true. All right, like the video, everybody. We have 185 people in the uh, in the chat right now. Like the video. Like the video. Like the video. Like the video. Um, Elliot, you are conspicuously absent from. What do you mean? From the chat today, yeah. unless you're in there with a burner, in which case you're just he's in there with a burner. Some, some are saying some are saying. Uh, with a burner. There's I'm, a rumbling. Is that true or not? No, no, that's not true so at you all. You have a burner. That's, I do not have a burner, Tom. I'm not that low, but you know, I, I'm thinking about getting one. I mean, you're over there <laughs> typing away, though. What, what are you typing? Where you been? I don't know. I listen. I'm. You I don't said even... I'm not that low, but then the next breath, you said I'm thinking about getting one. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tom. Sometimes guys hurt my feelings. I'd like to hurt back in a way where I can't be hurt myself. So I just hide behind the burner. So I think that's funny. I just want it on the record. I have like six burners, but they have not been seen in the chat in in quite some time. A long time. A long, long, long time. There was one burner that was very active for a while. At, disclaimer, that's not Leif Erickson. That's not Leif Erickson, if, if that's where people's minds are going. Yeah. But Who is Leif? Who is that? Who was that? Leif Did we Erickson? ever find that guy? No, he's a Leif real Leif Erickson's been gone for a long time. Really? He was yeah. a real guy. Like he OJ. Just, OJ's gone, too. OJ's been oh, gone. Okay, OJ actually said, I'm out of here, and he's, he's <laughs> why, gone. Why did he say he's out of here? OJ, OJ said in the chat, like, 
three weeks ago. He said he was gone, and then he's I know. Just, Did he give a reason? I think I, it was. I think it was partly because of me, Tom. I kept removing him from the chat. So that might have been my bad. Sorry, OJ. Well, uh, <laughs> Mouse Cop says Casey killed Leif Erickson. True or false? Casey? False. False. Well, why would they say that? Uh oh. I don't know. We need proof of life, Casey. If we don't have proof of life, that's the only logical outcome. After your story yesterday, you got so blood do on your I need, hands. Do I need to go prove my innocence and go on this adventure to find Leif Erickson? Yes. I think who's you sailing do. the seven seas currently? Yeah. Okay, so I have I have two bits of two bits of news here. All right, here we go. First thing, well, we neither one music when we do this. Neither this like one breaking news. No, no, neither one of these news. Neither one of this is is anything that's important at all. But uh, oh, I'm not. No, George Santos. We haven't seen him in a while either. I was. I'm not Sharon Peters or Karen. He's got Peters. things he has to deal with. Yeah, that's right, Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Boy Wonder asked about my my allergy test results. Tree nuts, I'm good. Seafood, I'm good. Peanuts, still very allergic. Okay. That stuff. All right. Uh, The other piece of news that I just got a text about is that um, Hudo, Hudo, the Komodo dragon at the zoo just died. No. Tough scenes. Sorry to hear that. So we got Blanny dead. We got Hudo dead. And we got Harambe dead. Where was Casey when that animal died? That's what I'm asking. Where was he? Where (laughs) was he? I'm not an animal killer, guys. This cow died when I was like a... A wee little lad. But like, somehow you're the only one who knows the story. How are no. you the only one who knows this story? Because everyone because in here is there. a liberal elite except for Tom. And Tom wasn't around. <laughs> well, except for you and me. You and me. Although <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, you know, uh, <laughs> after that story yesterday, I'm, I'm, I feel like I've been hazed. I don't, this is, yeah, this is scary, Casey. <laughs> Casey, I, Casey, what are you capable of? If you're willing to push do a cow it. down the stairs and break its legs, I don't know what else you're capable of. Oh, yeah, we didn't well, clear we that didn't, up. We, we didn't clear that, that up on the air. Oh, that's we, not we, public yet? We, that's we private missed, information. Well, oh. we went to Chipotle yesterday, and we're standing in line for food, Tom, and Casey turns to us, and he says, so, fellas, I left out one very key detail. Well, hang on. Our, I, didn't, I didn't leave it out on purpose. I went and asked someone who was actually involved with the crime, okay? Oh, so we know, at least we acknowledge it's a crime. Well, that, that's what we're treating it like. So that, that we'll just go with that. So yeah, I'm finally going to get let out let, like Leslie Van Houten. <laughs> <laughs> it's finally all coming out. Uh, so the cow, cows can go downstairs as long as they don't have a broken leg while they're trying to go down the stairs. So um, they put it down because it broke its leg going down the stairs. Tough. Yeah. It's, it's dark. Tough. That's very that's dark. Tough. We're tough. We're really good prank by those seniors. But there were a lot of laughs, huh? Was it worth it, Casey? A lot of jokes. <laughs> Was it worth it, Casey? It. Big jokes are over here. Yeah, a lot of laughs. It. Yep, a lot of laughs. A lot of laughs, a lot of jokes, a lot of dead animals. I didn't even do it. It wasn't even my class. It was like five years before I even made it to high school. Uh, Brian B. says, Tom the Hammondeggers have no idea the name you just dropped, Leslie Van Houten. Does anybody in this room know who that is? No. Tom, don't ask no. questions you don't want no. to answer. <laughs> yeah. Don't do this to yourself. You know we don't know Let's who find that out is. in real time. <laughs> Let's find out in real time. Leslie who? Leslie Van Houten. You don't know who that is? Got her right here. She is in the news today. Oh. She was part of the Manson family. Oh. 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 Yeah, I don't need yeah. to be a uh... Manson family that, uh, you know, committed these murders years ago, back in the late 60s. And uh, she's been in jail for 50 something years and uh, she's getting out. Uh, OK, 
back in the late 60s, in fact, uh, Elder High School, 1968, the year of our Lord, 1968. Goodness gracious. That's when Denny Jansen got out of Panther Country, the home of Elliot. That's right. Alfiora. Alfiora. Absolutely. He went on to attend the University of Cincinnati. Wouldn't be long before Dennis Jansen would embark on one of the most remarkable, truly remarkable careers in Cincinnati television history. And that's a lot of history. Some of the greatest names in, in television across the country uh, at one time or another have worked in this town. For 45 years, he was the guy uh, where if you wanted to know what was going on in Cincinnati sports, you would turn to Denny Jansen, whether it was Channel 9 or Channel 12. He's reported on every single major story, sports story in this city uh, for nearly 50 years. All of the, the, the people, and we'll walk through some of them today. Uh, in 2013, he decided to call it quits. He still lives here in Cincinnati and is kind enough to join us. He's always been affectionately known as just simply DJ. DJ, how are you, young man? You're looking good. Thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate the opportunity to join you this morning. You look well as, uh, as well. And congratulations on this opportunity that you've embraced wholeheartedly here and have brought a whole new dimension to sports broadcasting in the tri-state. I'm very proud of you and glad for you. Yeah. Well, DJ, that's very kind of you to say. I appreciate it. You know, I, I got to thinking, um, you know, a lot of times we talk about um, a coach's tree. Right, those that 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 worked with a, a guy or underneath a guy, uh, whatever the case may be, and I got to thinking, your family tree, TV coaching tree, has got to be something that you know all the accolades that came your way. But to look around and and look at all of these different people, uh, Jake Jolivet is in the chat virtually every single day. He's gone on to things at Fox uh, in L.A. Bill Hemmer who was your right-hand man there at Channel 9, now on Mm -hmm. Fox News with his own show for years and years and years. And there are so many others. I would imagine that that is a a source of pride for you on some level, is it not? I wouldn't be human, Tom, if I didn't revel in the success of my, I don't want to call them underlings or mentees. They were my, uh, my colleagues. They started out as interns more often than not and just prove themselves. Um, I think internships are so crucial, not to just the broadcasting industry, but to any industry, because you determine in that kind of context, whether you have the fire in the belly for whatever you're embracing. And I was very fortunate myself in that I got an internship when I was a sophomore at Elder High School at WSAI AM radio and answering the request line. It was just, you know, a very rudimentary grunt work, but I didn't want to leave the building. And I think that you can recognize that in people that come through our lives and into our settings. And it's like, they just want to be there. They want to be around, they want to contribute. And the fact that so many of them have gone on to great success I think it's a testament to the intern program that we had for many, many years at Channel 9. Uh, You talked about Bill Hammer. You talked about Jake Jolivet. There's also Jason Todd Jackson, who's now the voice of the Miami Heat. There's Chris Rose, who presides over BattleBots on the the web. And Chris does, I think, some work for MLB as well. Yeah, there's people everywhere across this country 
and uh, it is very gratifying to see them and uh, to understand that their success started not just with me, but their exposure to John Popovich, who, as far as I'm concerned, was the preeminent broadcaster of my era. I, I was um, I was very, very privileged and lucky to have the opportunity to work with John because John always did things the right way. He never phoned it in. In 28 years, we had two disagreements. And one of them, he simply settled by saying, DJ, you're better than that. And that was enough said. Uh, thus chastened, I went about doing things the way Popo did. And also, another great influence in my life was Nick Clooney. Yep. Nick had one way of doing things, and that was the right way. It just usually coincided with being Nick's way. But more often than not, he was dead on when it came to doing uh, the business of broadcasting and informing people in the tri-state. Um, I, I want to ask you about, you know, I always like asking uh, our guests that come on for, for an extended period of time about growing up. Uh, you're, you're a Cincinnati guy uh, through and through. Grew up over on the west side of town, as I mentioned, went to Elder High School. What, what was life like growing up in the Jansen household? It was pretty, uh, pretty regimented. You know, you got up in the morning uh, in the summertime. You went off to your job, be that caddying at Western Hills Country Club or delivering papers or cutting lawns or doing whatever. Um, usually uh, in grade school, it was up in the morning, mass at 7.30 at Our Lady of Grace, and then you had class till 3 o'clock. We, we would live close enough to school that we could walk home at lunchtime and then go back. And uh, just, it was yes, ma'am, and no, sir. And it was mm -hmm. the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. It was a pretty standard West Side upbringing, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Little did I know that we probably were in the lower tier of the middle class, maybe even the upper tier of the lower class, but couldn't prove it by anything that we had in our house. We had everything we needed. Uh, there were a lot of uh, wants but we attended to the needs. You uh, graduate from Elder. You go to the University of Cincinnati. Uh, had you already, you know, kind of thought to yourself the career you ultimately would embark on was something that you wanted to do already? Or, or was that something that just kind of started to, to form once you got into UC? No, as I mentioned before, I, that happened when I walked into that radio station. At okay, in that I, internship. Okay. Right? That internship, I walked in there. At the time, I wanted to be an Air Force pilot. I thought about being a ball player. I thought about being a priest. I thought about going into law enforcement, being a fireman, being a heavy equipment operator. All of these things fascinated me. But when I walked in that radio station at night and looked around and I saw Dusty Rhodes was on the air, peered through the window into the studio, and I thought, this this is what I want to do. I didn't know what I could do related to it or relative to it. All I knew is that I wanted to be around it and just let the chips fall where they may. It was a great opportunity. And to have that opportunity when I was 15 years old, how many people know what they want to do from that at that age? Um, so, so what do you look back on as kind of your big break? My big break, um, you know what, my big break was I was answering the request line, as I mentioned. I was probably, by this time, uh, 16, uh, yeah, probably 16, 17, went on. 
And I was selling Christmas trees at the Rinks uh, Bargain City uh, barn on uh, Hamilton Avenue in Mount Healthy with a friend of mine. And uh, I was driving out there one uh, morning in my Volkswagen. And I'm on Hamilton Avenue. And just about a block south of Galbraith Road, there was a Red Barn restaurant. And I looked over. I got stopped at a light, looked over. And this Red Barn restaurant is fully involved in flames. It is on fire. It's cooking. I thought, wow, that place is on fire. Well, as fate would have it, there was a phone booth immediately to my right in a parking lot. So I pulled my bug in there and I called 251-1360, the news line at WSAI. And a fellow by the name of Carl Eccles was on the air at the moment. He was the news director. And he was in a break and I breathlessly said, Carl, this is Denny Jansen. I answered the request line. I'm directly opposite a Red Barn restaurant on uh, Hamilton Avenue, about a block south of North of Galbraith Road. It's completely involved in flames. It looks like everyone's gotten out safely. He said, okay, drop that crap about answering the request line. Give your name at the end and then sign off for 1360 Action News. So he introed me when he came out of the break breaking news out of North Hamilton County. And let's go to our correspondent on the scene. And I reiterated what I said. I was able to update it saying uh, units from the Northern Hills Fire Department are now on the scene. They're getting some water on the flames. Again, it appears that everybody is out of the building safely. And we will have more later today on 1360 Action News. I'm Dennis Jansen and hung up. I went out to sell my Christmas trees with my buddy, Tim Hensley, and he said, where have you been? I said, well, I was on the radio giving a, a news report from a fire down the street. And he said, come on, who are you trying to get? So in any event, went about selling our Christmas trees. Well, about a week later, I was just strolling through the uh, radio station. I just, like I say, went there to hang out. And uh, Carl Eccles embraced me in the hallway and he said, are you the kid that called in the fire last week? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And he said, what's your name? I said, Denny Jansen. And he said, would, would you like to do something in the newsroom here? Can, I said, love to. And he said, can you type? And I said, yes, I can. And that, I guess that was the big break back then. I, I had a later break after I'd gotten out of the business for several years. And that was the Beverly Hills Supper Club fire. When I was uh, called early on the morning after that tragedy and a guy named Fred Wymore was working at WKRC yep. News and he called me and he said, do you remember how to edit film? And I said, I think it's kind of like riding a bike. You get back on it and give it a whirl. He said, okay, get over here. ABC just hired you. Now this is 1977 again. I'd gotten out of the business about 74. And so I go over to Channel 12, and uh, there um, is a gaggle of people in the back recesses of uh, Channel 12. And uh, it turns out that this was the first implementation of what Rune Arledge called task force coverage. He had just taken over. He'd left ABC Sports, gone to ABC News. Channel 12 was an ABC affiliate at the time. And they pulled out all the stops to bring in crews from Washington, Chicago, and Atlanta to cover this major, major story. Had charter flights come in. Again, this is Memorial Day weekend. Unfortunately, no film editors, not one, made any of those charter flights. 
So I was pressed into service and I edited the first three pieces of film that ABC aired on the Beverly Hills Supper Club tragedy. Let me turn my phone off here real quick. And uh, after that experience, I thought, you know what? That was pretty cool working under deadlines and under pressure and working with pros. And so I started my career all over again. And again, that brought me to the uh, newsroom of WKRC. Uh, Don Webb had gotten me involved the first time there. This time around, it was a guy named Bill Hartnett, who was the, uh, the news director. And so I started out as a weekend news anchor on KRC radio and did news for Q102. And then uh, I migrated down the hall again to Channel 12. And this time, whereas my previous iteration, I'd been the entertainment editor doing movie and uh, yeah, I, I, I want to interrupt you there for a second because I mean, you and I were you and I were together the other night, and, and you're. T I mean, I had never heard of this entertainment thing you were doing. I oh. mean, you're rubbing elbows with you know uh, the, the, the Playboy what? bunnies and the big movie stars and all this kind of thing going on. Oh yeah, it was it was great. No, again, I was 23, 24 years old, and I uh, was making seventy five bucks a week, but I went everywhere for free. All the movies, all the premieres in town here, all the events covering them, and met a, just a vast number of people who had interesting careers and occupations and, in many cases, hobbies. And it was, again, it was great for a kid that grew up in Price Hill yep. uh, and to be able to to uh, rub shoulders with these people and have access to them. It was pretty heady stuff. It was great. Yeah. All right, so you, you you get you eventually land in sports, and um, and Freddie Wymore was you know again for some of the younger crowd watching this show they're not going to remember. I mean, this was a really popular dude here in town, and he gets his big job. Where where did he go? He go to Washington, L.A. I can't remember where did he go. He left here to go to uh, Sacramento. Okay? okay, and then he went from Sacramento to New York working for ABC. Good Morning America. And then he banged around in New York for a while. And um, in fact, I have some video of Fred working with Lester Holt, the NBC anchor man. Uh, Fred was Lester's weekend sports guy at WNBC. And then he, uh, Fred loved to ski. So he migrated back out west to Sacramento area and then he settled in Lake Tahoe. And he had a morning ski show and uh, would, detailed the ski conditions for people. They had cameras at the top of the slopes, and so he could interview people. In fact, I was a guest on his show one time. And uh, and now Fred, uh, who ironically just arrived back in the United States, I want to say it was probably Saturday. He's been living in Thailand for the yeah. last eight years. And uh, Fred is a very, very interesting person. He was the one who started Teens for Decency back in the heyday when Jim uh, Morrison and the Doors were scheduled for a concert here at Cincinnati Gardens. And Fred uh, started a movement because they thought that uh, Jim Morrison had been a little vulgar and I think he exposed himself on stage somewhere. And Fred started this movement uh, called Teens for Decency and the rest is history. I, I got a feeling my career path is on its way to Fred Wymore. I, I'm going to end up doing ski reports here in about another year or two with the kids out of the house, and, and maybe Thailand is in the future. You know, when, when, when you broke in, though, Denny, and you become an established guy, um, 
you not only were covering, but you got to know personally, and in some cases, now 50 and 60 year friendships with, say, Johnny Bench uh, and mm-hmm. Pete Rose and Chris Collinsworth and all these kinds of guys through the years. And we'll get to Johnny here in a minute. But, but you know, it, it, it's amazing how much, I don't know if access is the right word, maybe trust is the right word, uh, that there was back in those days between athletes and media as opposed to now. You, you don't see those relationships uh, like you were able to build and others were able to build from a long time ago. I would be hard-pressed to name one bar in this day and age, one tavern, one lounge, one whatever, one club where Reds players go for a beer. I, do they still exist or does everybody just stay home because of the proliferation of cameras and uh, people just bugging you? Can you name one spot no, where these? No, I no. can't. In fact, I, I I used to say all the time, you know, because I was right there with it every step of the way, like you were about just the difference even when you go on the road, you know, a hotel bar, right? I mean, you know, you're in Milwaukee at 1130 or 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night and you're staying at the Fister Hotel. I mean, you, you know, it's a very small number of people that are going to be just sitting down there having a beer after a game people that are staying for business or whatever it might be. I mean, it got to a point where, where no one would ever come down as opposed to many, many, many years before that, where, you know, you'd go out with, with, with players and hanging out in my case with say Mark Grace or whatever it might be. And, and uh, it just, it's changed so much. I mean, for you, um, not only were these guys great stars uh, in, in a couple of cases, they turned into great friends. Indeed, and I'm very fortunate of that, and I cherish those friendships. And I think much of that has to do with the fact that I got to know their wives and their kids and their parents, and um, I and I never broke a trust. I never, if they said, hey, listen, you can't, I'd say, not a problem, not a problem. And they knew that I was as good as my word. I, I never violated that. If it was... Um, if it was a professional consideration, they knew that it might be fair game, but nothing personal ever, ever went on the air about these guys and their peccadillos and their shortcomings and failings. And in many cases, they didn't want me to, to brag about them because they wanted to keep something on the download that they'd done some thoughtful, charitable act that they permit, uh, committed or actually done. And um, yeah, so I, and, and, and I had, yeah, I, I hate to call them drinking buddies, but that's that's how it sort of started and then evolved from there. Because I I quit uh, I quit drinking many years ago, or else I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. I would have flamed out, you know, a quarter century ago. So, you know, I've always wanted to ask you, and all the times I've been around you, thousands and thousands of times, and I never have, and 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 you know, uh, about Johnny Bench. And about the whole kind of Pete Rose thing. You grew mm-hmm. up on the west side of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Rose was Pete Rose, man. I mean, he yeah. was Cincinnati through and through. Bench comes here. Uh, this is me saying this, not you saying this. Um, you know, because I work with Johnny doing the Reds on TV for a couple of years. And I love the guy. I, I, I think there is such a, a beautiful, warm, um, kind side to Johnny Bench that I think a lot of people in this town – 
quite frankly, in all the years that he lived here and played here, never saw that side of him. He could be standoffish at times to fans. Everybody can be standoffish at times to fans. Um, but but, but when, when that whole thing was going on, you were a sports anchor. Johnny is doing the Reds games on TV. He's Johnny Bench. Here's Pete Rose, manager of the team, going through this whole thing. Um, what, was that hard for you? Not really. I just um, I played it straight. Johnny knew uh, what I knew, and he knew that I would not violate any of his insights into Pete's situation. He um, he and Pete had a great relationship. They just diverged when they left the clubhouse at the end of the day. Pete would go to the racetrack. Uh, Johnny would go to the country club. They had different circles of friends. Uh, Johnny's tended to be a little more well-heeled. Uh, Pete's uh, were they were more uh, consistent with his upbringing uh, down in uh, the uh, in Sedamsville. Uh, Pete had uh, a grit about him that appealed to a lot of people, and, and Johnny included. He jo uh, Pete, Johnny has great admiration for Pete's determination and stick to itiveness and uh, his drive. Uh, the fact that Pete did have three knocks and he'd say, "Let's say I'm, I, I feel a fourth coming on," and that. And, and Johnny, looking behind the plate and directing the action of the other eight players out there on the field, he could see Pete and anticipate what Pete was going to do because Pete was going to do whatever it took to win. And so that kept Johnny on his toes, and by virtue of that, and by extension, he kept everybody else on the field on their toes, knowing that this might happen, so be ready for it. Now, as terms of, in terms of any animosity, you know that Pete and Johnny shared the same attorney. In fact, I took advantage of an association with Reuven Katz years ago. He represented me. And I think Reuven probably expressed to Johnny over the years that Pete was hanging with a, some sketchy cats. And uh, Johnny was obviously aware of that as well from the guys that came into the clubhouse. And um, Reuven told Pete, Reuben told me that he told Pete, he says, Pete, watch out who you're associating with. Don't take cash for things and um, to pay your taxes. And Pete didn't do any of those things. And he ended up getting the, the tax bang and uh, did a year in Terre Haute and, or no, no, it was Marion, Marion, Illinois. Mm hmm and uh, I, I know that that wounded Johnny because to see a friend of his, an associate, somebody that he had worked with and spent months and years with over the years working side by side, that bothered Johnny. He just, it, it, and to the very end, uh, even to this day, he and Johnny are, they have a, a, an unusual association and relationship, but it is not estranged. They, uh, they, they pick up right where they left off when they see each other. I, I've witnessed that any number of times. I've always felt like we had Johnny on this show, DJ, uh, a couple of months ago. and I just had an incredible uh, conversation with him about this, about many other things. I have always felt, and we know that Cincinnati is a, hey, if you're one of us kind of town, right? But, but, but I've always felt, and, and you being a Cincinnati guy, I've always felt like, and maybe he's partly to blame. I don't know. 
Um, I've always felt like uh, because Pete was one of our own and Bench wasn't, but Mm -hmm. Pete left his own to leave and go as a free agent. Johnny always stayed, could have left, played his entire career here in Cincinnati. I always felt like that a lot of us in Cincinnati, I'm not going to say did Johnny Bench wrong. I'm not going to say that's the case. But I'm going to say we, we, we never let ourselves warm up to him, and maybe he didn't allow himself to warm up to us. Is there any validity, do you think, to that? I think Johnny just didn't suffer fools lightly. And um, he was um, he was accommodating to a point to fans, not as accommodating as Pete was, obviously, but Johnny always, uh, he would observe, he said, you know, you, you sign a, a hundred autographs and the 101st person who you turn away because you got to be somewhere, you're, a, you're not a good guy. And that frustrated him because he didn't have that time or that accessibility or that inclination to take that much more time out of his day to uh, accommodate fans. Whereas Pete, um, Pete never declined anybody that I ever witnessed he would hard time him a little bit but then he would eventually relent and you know accommodate the fan um all right i want to talk about some of the some of the uh kind of current day topics a little bit with you um one of this the things is this bengal's ring of honor i think we all agree that um the franchise was really late to the party but i give him credit They've at least finally arrived at the party, late albeit, where they're they're recognizing these former great players and so on and so forth. I did not like um, the way they um, chose to do the voting with just season ticket holders and suite holders, Uh, and and, and there's no perfect way. But, But I did say that I thought there were people out there should at least be a part of this, and you would be the first guy that comes to mind. You were here going back to, you know, the Bob Trumpy days, and the Bob Johnson days, and the Sam Weish is a player days, all the way, you know, through the uh, the, the the Kenny Anderson days, the Boomer Esiason days, the Corey Dillon days, uh, and 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 follow the team um, even now. Um, you know, Corey Dillon, he's been in the news a lot lately, uh, blasting this whole thing and how he should be in or, you know, whatever the case might be. Um what are your thoughts about if you were voting and say you could pick five of the 13 that are in there and not to snub anybody else, but you've mm-hmm. seen them all who deserves to be in that Bengals ring of honor here in 2023 for Dennis Jansen. Boomer Esiason, Chris Collinsworth, boy, Dan Ross was a great player. Oh my Lord. Bob Trumpy. He was a, he was a transitional player and personality for the Bengals. Um, geez, probably Archie Griffin, um, Rufus Mays, offensive lineman. Um, she, uh, Reggie Williams. Reggie was a, yep. was a great stalwart player for this team. There's the, the list goes on and on. Um, Ross Browner should have been there. The, the late Ross Browner. Hard to believe that Ross Browner is no longer with us. Um, yeah, there's a. It's great that the Bengals are doing this. Um, it's like a high school, like my high school, Elder High School. 
been in business for a hundred years now. They do not have a hall of fame. You know, many other schools do, but the, the question and the, the dilemma that faces the schools like Elder High School is, where do you start? You know, you're never gonna catch up. So they just, they, they, they've done without. Well, the Bengals finally, um, they had great players and great personalities and great coaches over the years. Uh, they finally have embraced the 21st century. I think uh, Elizabeth and Caroline Blackburn, uh, Mike Brown's granddaughters, have helped propel this forward because they just wanted to make this something that the fans could embrace. And I think the fans that you want to embrace at the very top are your seat, your season ticket holders and your I think we lost Jenny there. Saying that uh, he thought that it should be by a vote of uh, upper management, which uh, I, I don't know if, if Corey probably is aware that a lot of people view him as a truculent figure who yep. uh, was more of a problem than he was a, a problem solver there. But um, I, I'm glad they're doing it. I think the first class was very good. Uh, Isaac Curtis is just what a wonderful person he is. Uh, I've known Isaac for, geez, 45 years. It's hard to believe that we're all getting this old. But um, I think Dave Lapham any day now should be there. Yeah, there's no doubt. No doubt for all he's done for the organization on the field and up yeah. in the booth and, and, and around the community. You know, I, 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 I'm curious because you knew Paul Brown. Yeah. Uh, th th there aren't many guys still hanging around that knew Paul Brown uh, and knew him well. You did. Then you saw that transition into Mike Brown. Um, mm -hmm. are, 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 is, there a, is there a part of you that says, I simply cannot believe what has transpired in this town? And look, the Bengals mm -hmm. have had their moments. They went to the Super Bowl, as we know, in 88 with Boomer and Chris and that whole group. Yeah. And then, you know um, – they had gone before with Kenny Anderson and, and, and Munoz and that whole group. But, you know, there was also a lot of years in there where they're winning two, three, four, five games. Laundry list of coaches in and out of here. Uh, town was so down, especially on Mike Brown. Are, are, are you just amazed by what's going on around this city now in its relationship with the football team and ownership of the football team? I saw this happen a generation ago when Greg Cook was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. He was an absolutely terrific player. He had the he had the gene. He was a leader. And sadly, um, the late Greg Cook, uh, he was laid low by injuries very early in his career. Uh, I see Joe Burrow as the second coming of Greg Cook. Ironically. They grew up about 60 miles apart, yep. Joe in Athens, Ohio, and Greg Cook in Chillicothe, Ohio. But they are transformational characters and someone that you can build a franchise around. Had Greg Cook stayed healthy, the Bengals would have been to a Super Bowl far, far sooner than they ever did. It, he, was, he could have made it happen. People gravitated to Greg. He was, a, he was an alpha male and people love to be around him, and he made things happen. He was a great, great player, and um, he could have made a huge difference in this team and this franchise and how it was viewed over that lull that we had there. But to think that you look back at some of the people 
that this team has employed as quarterbacks over the years. Gus Farratt, Scott Mitchell, um, Jay Schrader, uh, Achilles Smith. Are you kidding me? And to get big league NFL prices to watch these stiffs play? And now we have Joe Burrow. Like I say, the second coming of Greg Cook. And it's the, the crowds speak for themselves. The people have spoken, you know. All of that stuff about the hard feelings, it's over. It's gone. Just just keep Joe Burrow healthy, build around him, and the rest will take care of itself. If there was um, now, if there was if there was one Cincinnati athlete through the years that you covered, I'm not talking about a personal relationship necessarily, but an athlete you covered where you would have paid to watch him play. Who would it have been? Greg Cook. Greg Cook. I, you know, I, I think so many people, we had Bob Trumpy on last week, uh, DJ, and of course, you know, he came up with Greg Cook. They were one year separated in draft classes. Uh, and like you, like Bob, like Sam Weish, like John Stauffer, like, like so many others, Eddie Shepard, our friend from up in Mount Adams, uh, so many people tried to help Greg Cook. It is, it is truly one of the most tragic stories uh, in American sports history. What happened to Greg Cook? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Greg told me years ago that his father was the town drunk in Chillicothe, Ohio, and he hoped to escape that that genetic inclination. That's the only way I can describe alcoholism. And he managed to fend it off for many, many years. And then it finally got hold of him and took his life. And uh, hang on, I've got a, here, I got a picture right here on my bulletin board of Greg Cook, 1946 to 2012, right there, Greg Cook. Wow. Yep, unbelievable guy. Uh, he was, uh, no, a, a tragedy, nothing short of a tragedy. He just, uh, couldn't, sh- couldn't shake it. And, uh, uh, but his career, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the basics of orthopedic surgery back when he got hurt in 1969, they were, you, you, you've seen the zippers on guys' knees, and, and you look at what happened to Reggie Williams and uh, the fact that he nearly lost a leg because of knee injuries. These things, you know, I, I have two new knees right now, and this was unheard of back when Greg Cook was playing. You know, guys just had to suck it up, and um, therapy wasn't what it is now. Uh, it's come a long, long way. I've, I've got a good story for you about the rudimentary and the early embryonic days of the Bengals. John Murdo, who used to be the Reds yep. traveling secretary, and then he became the business manager for the Bengals. The Bengals' first season, they played a uh, an exhibition game over in Huntington, West Virginia against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, so they bust over there, put them up for the night, they played the game. They actually beat the Steelers. I think it was 13-7 to in that game. Paul Brown, of course, was coaching. So John Murdo goes over to settle up with the promoter who staged this game. And um, he said, uh, John, I am sorry, but I don't have anything for you. And he said, what do you mean? You know? He said, I, I don't have any money for you. And um, 
He said, what do you mean? He says, well, you know, we had to pay for the stadium and the Steelers got their cut first because they were the home team. And we pay, had to pay the vendors. And he said, I, I don't have anything for you. And Murdo said that he was panic stricken. He said, I have to go over to that bus and tell Paul Brown, who sits in the front seat there, that I don't have an envelope with cash or a certified check in it. And he said, I thought Paul Brown was going to eat, you know, was going to kill me. Paul Brown very calmly said, John, from now on, when we come to these places, we are not getting off the bus unless we have a certified or cashier's check in hand. Now, you go from those sort of fledgling days of the AFL about to become, you know, the Bengals joining the NFL to what it is today, a multi-billion dollar, you yeah. know, and you wire transfers and so on and so forth. I could I could just see Paul Brown putting an envelope of cash in his pocket, you know, <laughs> yeah, going oh, yeah. back to one of these joints, okay? But that was Paul, you know. He was uh, he didn't he didn't focus on chastising John Murdo. He just found a way and made sure that it didn't happen again. Yeah, it was a what? pretty remarkable guy. Last thing, last couple things I want to ask you about. Um, you know, when, when young people, and, and you've been so incredibly gracious with your advice and your time through the years with young people, and so many out there want to get into the broadcasting business. It is so very different uh, than when you were coming up, heck, even when I was coming up. Um, I, I, I'm curious, you know, when, when you speak to, to kids even now, what kind of advice do you give to them in this crazy sort of all-over-the-board sports TV business, local TV news, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, the New York times and the LA times are getting rid of their sports sections. Uh, that's been in the news lately. What, what would you say to those people who might be watching right now that are like you were back in high school or even in college already? Well, I don't think communication skills can ever be, uh, can ever be understated. If you can communicate, if you can write a good letter, if you can write a story, um, you can find work anywhere. If you choose to uh, express yourself in writing or uh, verbally in a broadcast venue, I, I think that there are more avenues and outlets, for instance, podcasts, uh, than ever before. Uh, they don't um, I, I don't know whether you get the fulfillment that we did and the personal satisfaction that we did, uh, not having a studio crew and having the floor crew and co-anchors. Uh, one, one thing that I always gauged my performance by was whether I made my co-anchors and the floor crew laugh. If I got a chuckle out of them, you know, I'd known that the viewers, by extension, would have enjoyed what I had just put on the air. Uh, in terms of advice, boy, that's that's tough. If you love to write, if you love to communicate, um, it, there are still opportunities out there. I wouldn't know how to get started in this day and age. I mean, do I walk into WSAI uh, as a 15-year-old and uh, get a job answering a request line for free, of course? You know, we got Arby's coupons now and then, but that was about it. I, I wouldn't know how to start now. Yeah, huh? yeah. It's just, it's so, well, and um, 
never burned sources. I, I can tell you that, that that has served me well over the years. And uh, years ago, I had a guy that uh, I supervised me at WSAI when I finally got a job in the newsroom. His name was Doug Anthony. This is his air name. His name was Doug Dench. He graduated from Elder many years before me. And I would go in in the morning about 530 and he would circle stories in the Inquirer. And he said, okay, call the people mentioned in that story and then write up a, you know, a couple of versions for me to use on the assorted newscast from 5.30 or 6 a.m. roughly till about 8.30 when I left to go to a class at UC. And uh, I, I said, well, why can't I just, uh, you know, he said, call the people and uh, check it out. And I said, well, you know, it's, it's 5.30, Doug. And he says, listen, if they're important and consequential enough to be mentioned in the morning paper, they're up by 5.30 or 5.45. Okay, fine. So then I said, well, you know, uh, how about the story's already here. The Inquirer's got there. But he goes, listen, there's something else in the paper I want to show you. And he opened up the first front page. And there inside the front page was the corrections. Okay. He said, the corrections come. This is the stuff that the Inquirer got wrong yesterday, and we don't want to get wrong, puts wrong stuff and wrong information on the air. And I took that inf that that lesson to heart, and I never, ever had to offer a retraction or a correction on the air in 45 years. And I think that might be one of my proudest uh, moments and uh, claims that I never got any i used to murder eastern european female tennis players names okay they were tough there were way too many k's and y's and z's and so <laughs> on so you know her you love her she won two and four okay but i never got anything factually wrong that i had to correct on the air and boy that's you know that's uh, that's a blessing i i consider that uh one of the uh, one of the thing I'm, one of the things i'm proudest of well, DJ, you look great. It's always great seeing you. Uh, everybody here in town, everywhere you go, they're always saying, hey, what's happening? And they miss you on the tube, and I know we all do. And uh, But I know life's going well for you, my friend. We're thinking about you all the time. Before I go, I have to tell you this. I am heading over to Norwood, Ashland Avenue in Norwood. There's a big gathering today. I hope he's not watching or listening for Tay Baker. Really? Coach Tay Baker is now 96 some of his former players are gathering over there and they're offering a little celebration of Tay on his birthday. Coached, of course, at UC and then at Xavier. And uh, at 96, he's still active and spry and it'll be good to see Tay Baker. I mean, there's a name from the past. Boy, you're not lying. You're not lying. DJ, thanks for your time today, man. Great thanks to see you. Much. Great to catch best. up. The best to Elliot Rearing and thank him for his efforts as well. Okay. All the best, buddy. Elliot, are you, are you tight? You rub elbows with the stars like Dennis Jansen? Well, I, I think my father's my father's reputation, my dad is Tom. And he still works at Elder, so I think it's his oh, reputation yeah. that precedes him. Well, you guys are doing a great job and all the success in the world to you. I know it's going to happen. This is going to be big. Thank you. DJ, great to see you, man. Have a great day. My best to Polly and the kids and, and dad, okay? Thank you, buddy. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Denny yeah. Jansen, kind enough to join us, man. That guy has seen it and done it all. I remember, you know, it's little things. Again, little things. And I'll never forget. I mean, I had met DJ, but when I'm in high school, I, I, I got long hair and, you know, doing all the stuff that high school seniors, beer, girls, you know, the whole nine yards.
wanted to look like McEnroe or some of the tennis players. I'll never forget as long as I live. They had the U.S. Davis Cup down at uh, at what is now as Heritage Bank Arena, Riverfront. This was a huge deal. Huge deal. Might have been for the finals. And of all places, Heritage Bank Arena, right? I mean, a lot of people look down their noses at this place. And I remember uh, DJ and, and he was down there. And, you know, I'm acting like a big shot around some buddies of mine talking about, oh, I know that guy, Dennis Jansen, and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and I had not seen him in a while because my hair had gotten, like I said, considerably longer and all this kind of nonsense. And I go down there, and, I mean, he just treated us like, like a million bucks. And he's got everybody and his brother wanting to spend time with him. And, and he sat there and hung out with us for probably 25, 35 minutes. And, and my buddies just couldn't believe that we knew Dennis Jansen. I mean, yeah, I mean, my dad was not a quote-unquote sort of big deal then. Denny Jansen was a big deal. My dad had only been the announcer for the Reds for like four or five years. We were all like 15, 16, something like that. And, um, but DJ was a big deal. Um, the way that business has changed, there'll never be another Dennis Jansen. There might be other Marty Brennemans. You know, Jeff Brantley is on his way to being another Joe Nuxall. Now, I'm not comparing him to Joe Nuxall, so people don't drive off the reservation here when I say that. But you get what I'm saying. Um, there's never going to be another Dennis Jansen. There are very talented sports anchors in this town. But just the, 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 the very uh, nature of the world we live in where, you know, not as many people watch local news as they used to. That was all you had. There was no cable. Or if you wanted to know about elder football on a Friday night, uh, the only place you were going to find out about it, because there was no internet, was, um, was DJ telling you about the score of the game, saying X playing bowler, whatever it might be. Um, and, boy, his friendship with Johnny Bench is just amazing. Just amazing. Um, Roger wants to know, Tom, will you ever let us drive off the reservation for once? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I called you guys out earlier going off the reservation on this De La Cruz stuff. I mean... It, 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 and you heard my dad. I mean, there hadn't been much to cheer about around here. But, I mean, I, I want to throw up when I hear people talking about De La Cruz going to the Hall of Fame. Do you get upset? I know Hall of Famers. <laughs> I watched Hall of Famers. These are guys that worked their ass off that were great players for 12 15, 17, 19 years. Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer. The guy's been here a month. It's electrifying. He has more talent than any player I have ever seen in my life. Let me say that again for the record before some of you go off the reservation. He is the most talented player I have ever seen. The world is full of talented cats that didn't live up to the billing for various reasons. Before Ellie De La Cruz, now Barry Bonds would be sandwiched in between when he came up with the Pirates. But Eric Davis, I was there announcing the Reds when Eric Davis came up. 
He was the most unique talent I have ever seen until now, De La Cruz. Everybody was comparing Eric Davis to Willie Mays. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Player of the Month in April and May. I think it was 90, uh, 87. I mean, as, as great as De La Cruz has been for this first month, I mean, you got a long way to go to catch those two months for Eric Davis. Well, you know, Eric Davis runs into a wall at Wrigley Field. Everybody, when you see Wrigley Field in the summer, oh, this, you know, this uh, ivy on the wall. Well, behind that ivy is brick. It's brick. And Eric Davis ran into that wall, cracks his shoulder in half. It's the start of a litany of things that prevented him from becoming a Hall of Fame player. Being a Hall of Famer is earned. Being a Hall of Famer is not hype or buying the hype, as we like to say here in the chat. Being a Hall of Famer is earned. Earned. Let's enjoy the ride here. Let's enjoy the ride. Right? Right. So enjoy the ride. I agree. There's so, something wrong with that? No, no. I was just going to ask you. So you believe he's talented. Do you believe he's talented enough to be all of them? No, without a doubt. Okay. Without a doubt. Yeah, there we go. Without a doubt. So you do believe in the hype? I believe in the hype. In the, It's not even believing it. I see it. He's got the talent. He's got everything you want. He can run. He can throw. He can hit. He can hit for power. He can beat you in so many ways without even without even getting a base hit. He can draw a walk, steal second, steal third, through steal home. And you can win a game by a run. Yeah. Those cats don't fall out of trees. No, they don't. I mean, you can't even you, you, you there are I mean, you've got more than enough fingers on one hand to 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 count the number of players that have come to the big leagues that have all of those things at the level of Ellie De La Cruz. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. No, I totally agree. So, Mouse Cop, it's not a matter of buying the hype. I think it's a disservice to Ellie to put that much on his I plate. I agree. I think games. that's a great point. I mean, everyone's talking about, I mean, he declined the invite to the home run derby because he wants to focus on making himself better after 30 games and making the team better. I think putting the pressure on him to be a Hall of Famer 30 games into his career is outrageous. Yeah. It's not fair to the kid. Let the kid go play. I mean, who was it around here the other day was talking about expectations and how expectations can uh, read? That's right. Expectations can ruin the journey to becoming a Hall of Famer. Enjoy it. Watch him play. Watch him play. And enjoy watching him play. He's an incredibly talented young man and i can't wait to see him play and starting on friday night all right ham and eggers take it away hello bueller bueller i heard you bueller show the ham and eggers special thread trust me i introduce all the best segments casey you've had a rough day in the chat I, I can't, I can't get. Not past. as rough as that cow. Not as rough as that cow. I'll say that. Both of Casey's legs are intact. Yeah, that's. I mean, I don't know what else to say anymore. Casey, Casey, 
When you look at an animal, what's the first thing you think of? It's a lovely animal. Hmm. He sees food. <laughs> All right, we spent enough time on this. It's beating the dead cow. Come on. <laughs> Did you get that, Casey? Did you get the joke? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make sure. Because he said he was beating the dead cow and you killed the cow. Because you killed the cow. You get it? What about you're, your cats? You're, kill, you're killing the joke. Okay. Mm. I, I, I'm not killing anything. You're the one who killed the cow. I, <laughs> that's, that's all there is. Paul, what, what are your thoughts on Casey's cow? Oh, I sit next to him every day. Casey's my guy. It's just had a rough day in the chat. Had a rough day. What can I say? I don't know. <laughs> what can you say? I, I, I cannot believe the chat has spun this in such a way. What were your thoughts on Harambe? I loved him. I don't know if you loved did. Him. I did. In I fact, know. I named my fantasy football team after him. How'd the fantasy football team do? Hmm. It's been a champion like four or five times in a row. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. That's... I've, not, I've not shamed him whatsoever. Alexander, wait, wait. Alexander says you killed an entire raccoon family. Oh, no. That's not great. Oh, oh no. That's not Wait, great. how many raccoons <laughs> did you kill? Wait, a whole, a whole family? family? You killed an entire Women? family? Raccoons have big children? families. Women and Babies? <laughs> Casey. Casey. Can I explain myself first? Well, we would we all you... just go blowing up? No, we would Can... love you to. So, so uh, back roads of Blanchester. Oh no! No lights. No oh, lights. Oh no! I don't have. I don't have. Uh, I don't have brights on my car. I don't have like the high beams in my car. And um, much, much to my dismay, um, a small family of raccoons jumped out in front of my car as I'm going like 55, 65. We already know I speed. So we know you oh speed. My God. We know I speed. <laughs> you were committing so a I... crime and then you killed raccoons. Casey's wonderful wife, Casey. Alexandria told us that he killed an entire family. Of How raccoons many raccoons? There might have been like three or four. Oh, oh my God. So he's a mass murderer. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is crazy. He's a mass murderer. It wasn't I gotta intentional. Say, Casey, it you, wasn't I mean, intentional. You, you, you got to get off this train. <laughs> oh, I was this exposed. This is not good. The last 24 hours, you have come across, by and large, <laughs> on this show as being a very decent, kind human being. I would like to think I am. They, well, I, I, I got to tell you. I mean, I, I'm not suggesting that I've crossed the line in thinking otherwise, mm. but I got to tell you, it, it's inching a hell of a lot closer. When I go out in public, I mean, we're really inching here. When I go out in public and people ask me what I do and I say I work with a producer and I describe you, Casey, as somebody that wouldn't hurt a fly, I think that description has to change now. All this I think was I have to draw a line. That is a great observation, Paul. I mean, because that's, you know. That, are, I mean, that's a great observation. People tune into the show. They say Casey seems like a nice guy. I say he, I couldn't work with anybody nicer. He wouldn't hurt a fly. Clearly, that's not accurate anymore. It makes me sad to there have was, to change that. There was never a moment of malintent when any of these scenarios and mm. the in, in the raccoon family mm. is just one example of this. The the cow I wasn't even a part of. It was five six years ago mm. before I even or not five six years ago. It was five six years before I even made it into high school. Mm. Years ago, 
Tay, your 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 bride love though, is throwing you right in front of the bus. She does. She just I mean, loves that's not, to that is not me. cool. She loves exposing me. It's like her favorite pastime. She just comes in this show, drops the one liner, and then leaves. You're, you know what? You're right. She has she, done that. She does that. She all the time. has. Uh, you might want to explore the love languages quiz with her. <laughs> I might. Because you're might not meeting to. them. Uh, for her to just basically, I mean, you, you, you're like what the New York City subway has turned into now, the subway system. You're just some innocent schlep standing there, not bothering anybody, trying to get to work or get home from work. And some idiot who's all doped up, right, out on parole, without a doubt, and just shoves you right from behind onto the track. <laughs> yeah. I think she, I think she enjoys uh, seeing me in, in pain and suffering. I think she's. Uh... Does it make you consider Elliot and or Jake? Because Paul's already committed. He's already in. He's already in. Does it make either one of you reconsider the idea, if you even had any idea of this, of one day exchanging wedding vows? Not with Hell one, yeah, not yeah. with one another necessarily, but, but go ahead. I, I don't know. I mean, it feels like they were doing well before the actual wedding, and now she's just throwing him under the bus. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, it's just oh. a start. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it's time to rethink. I I was, I, yeah, I think I'm rethinking as well. This I is mean, scary. What's happening? We'll I see was, how Paul's goes. I was yeah. told over and over again things are going to change. They're going to change real fast. I didn't believe them. Mm. Believe it. Believe in those words. Where's Please. Ronnie Smith when we need him? <laughs> sports. sports 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 cincinnati sports specifically nobody we've been all about cincinnati sports today nobody loves all cincinnati about sports it. more than ronnie smith can we all agree on that i agree oh, with yeah. it all right does um, fc play this weekend tonight 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 do they have their players back or is he still playing for a different uh, team no because the u.s plays tonight that's okay. right that's ah, in the semifinals nice. yeah so, so you've got I mean, I'm going to tell you, doctor, you got it all, man. Wait, 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 wait. I mean, this is just like nirvana. You get to watch FC, even though guys on their team, you can flip the channel and they're playing for Team USA. I mean, this is, this is it, man. Tom, are you ready for this one? Are you buckled into your chair right now? I am. I just said across my legs, yes. The NBA is going to play an in-season tournament this year. Well, I know that. But it's not – but it's not – it's going to count towards the standings. Yes. Right. Correct. It's going to it, count towards the yeah. standings. So those are real games. Those are real games. Yeah, that's the difference between this and soccer. They, like, no, no, no. Let, let me clarify that because these are real games in the Lamar Hunt Cup, in the world, in, in the, in the world thing going on. Not the World Cup, but whatever this thing Cup. is you're playing. Yeah. The, the point is, is that players in this in-season tournament are not leaving their team, yeah, right, to go play in another in-season tournament. If you play for the Boston Celtics, the Boston Celtics roster is going to be playing maybe in that in-season tournament. Yeah. All right. This is a whole different world. This is – I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> it's soccer, baby. Football. Football. It all happens on the pitch. I guess. The magic. Do you guys think Dreamweaver makes it through this season without being cut? 
I, I would like to hope so. Because for our content stream, it would be nice to have him still around. I mean, they don't lose, so they why would lose, they cut him? But he does have a 70 RA, and he starts every fifth day. <laughs> I, I don't think he makes it through. I don't know. I don't he's know expendable. They... He's, the, he's the one expendable. I mean, I don't think he makes it through. Yeah, but they're not bringing anybody up. Well, you gotta hope Green Connor and Lodolo is... comes back. Connor Phillips maybe makes it. Dude, day. that's that's. They are minimum month away. Minimum. This isn't like a position player. Where they got twenty-one days before you you got to do something. Yep. Like we saw with Votto, and you can run him out there five six days a week and get three four at bats every single day. Pitcher. It doesn't work like that, especially for pitchers who've not pitched, in Lodolo's case, in multiple months. I don't care what the hell he's doing, throwing with, you know, on his scooter or out in Arizona. These guys have to get back up to build up in-game pitching strength and stamina. So when they join the Major League Club, they're not going out there for three innings. Hell, they're getting enough of those starts now. I think the the funniest part about Luke Weaver is that well a couple of things. One is that his ERA has gotten over a run and a half worse in this winning streak that the Reds have been on while he has been pitching. So in his <laughs> in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight starts, as Elliot pointed out, the Reds are eight and zero. That's the bottom line. And, and his. In his start on May 31st, which was the first win of this eight-game winning streak, he had a 5.36 ERA. His ERA is now seven. But in two of the three starts before that, he allowed one run and zero runs. He has not allowed less than two runs in any start in his eight starts. And he's... His ERA has gone up by over a run and a half. Yeah. And the Reds don't lose. They don't lose. I mean, the two magic men, you're going to have to come up with, you're going to have to come up with some bit. You got the hot tub and the dream weaver thing. Okay. For him. I think I know the other name. You know where it's going. Ian? You got You got to come up with something. I don't know a song that has Jabot or Ian. Oh, the English. Well, as you know, Tom, he is a a native to Great Britain. So I was thinking maybe, you know, a little London Bridge has fallen. I don't know what I could do. So uh, Great Britain's Ian Jabot. Maybe have some fish and chips. Fish and chips. Govna. You know what I'm saying? So I think I, I don't know. I, I think I, I can figure something out for Ian Jabot. I think fish and chips is the way to go. Fish and chips. Every time he pitches, I just have some fish and chips. I'll yeah, start to look like. To I'll, start, I'll start to look like Jabot after a couple of those. So we'll see. So we'll see yeah. what happens. I've heard Houston is is right in the heart of Great Britain. Yeah, that's what I thought too. That's what I heard too. He played for him. He played for him. That's all I can say. But yeah, Tom, I agree. I'll, you, have, to, I'll have to figure something out. You've for You've got to come Jabot. up with something strong there. He's the greatest of the Brits. Do we have Ian a cherry Jabot. on top? We do have a cherry on top. Presented by United Dairy Farmers. Uh, kind of a quick one. We're going to run thing. that Dream Weaver one more time before we get oh, out of here today. But this is, uh, this is the new... Is this the sonogram of Casey's baby on the way? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. This is, no. the new, this is the new sphere out in Las Vegas. Over $2 billion oh, was poured into this sphere. I'd be so embarrassed if this was in my city. 
Could you imagine? Well, well, what is this? This is a this is a sphere that cost over two billion dollars. The entire outside of this is covered in screens. Could you imagine driving by and seeing this? Wow. Do you, do you have a, do you, do you have a picture of it when it's not like that? When it's just sitting no. there? No. Okay. I don't. I, don't I mean. I there there it is, available. just sitting there, right there. The, the world's rotating, though. Yeah. Well, well that's the. There's that's, an image. He's talking about when there's no image on the on the the sphere, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Because like right now they're lighting it up, like a basketball for the summer league. Right. Well, look at that. Th that is so pretty cool. cool. Isn't that crazy? It's pretty cool. But how much did it cost? A two point, what? Two point three yeah, billion. Two point three billion. Billion for that. Yeah. There's the well. It was orange. I don't know why that one's blue. But, yeah. Holds about 19,000 people. It'll host, like, UFC events and big fights it's, and stuff like that in Vegas. It's an arena, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's an arena. That's pretty yeah. cool. About 19,000 seats. It is pretty, pretty cool. cool, I have to admit. So, is the idea to replace T-Mobile? Like, it, because T-Mobile Arena right now is where all of the right. big events are. I don't believe the Golden Knights would be able to play there. I don't think it's big enough. I think it's just for so UFC, just like UFC boxing, boxing yeah. some of those types of events. Do you think events. they play basketball there? Vegas maybe? stuff. Yeah, summer yeah. league probably. Stuff with small crowds. Yeah. Vegas stuff. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, we have box lunch coming up. We have box lunch coming up. And so in the throw before the box lunch animation, could we one more time, just for old Lang Syne, put up. Dreamweaver. <laughs> Good old Dreamweaver. So ridiculous. Good old Dreamweaver. Yeah, let's see it. Hey, everybody, great job today. Box lunch is coming up. Don't forget Danny Graves tomorrow. Going to join the program. Really excited about that, along with Tracy Jones. Danny going into the Reds Hall of Fame. Then Friday, Charlie Goldsmith will be here previewing the Reds Brewers. And Bronson Arroyo. We welcome him back to the program. But just... When you look at the weekend matchups, perhaps Luke Weaver is one of the three. I hope. Let this come to mind. <laughs> oh, I love the case of the two twice. I love it too. I'm so pleased. 